church good morning what a great great day to be together to worship our God and wow worship team great job just being in his presence this morning welcome back to our series we started a brand new series last week called house to home and this is such an important series and I'm so glad you're here today last week Pastor Nick did a great job talking about the importance of laying the right foundation you know in any house or any building if the foundation is off it's not going to stand right I mean it's going to crumble it doesn't matter and, and everything people do in life we try to build on foundations and sometimes in our homes we can try to build on foundations that shift or change you know whether it's money or whether it's kids and whether it's success and those things are all great but but those things change right you know kids move on as much as we want them to stay but they grow up and money some months it's really great and some months it's hard and success is it can be great and in other times it's fleeting and so we talked last week about building your home on the foundation of Christ. And Christ is the one, the same yesterday, today, and forever, that Christ is the one who wants to bless your home for you to have a great home. And God wants to do something amazing in you. Now, when you have the foundation of Christ, then you begin to add the walls. And you put the walls up. Uh, Lisa and I, my wife, about 11 years ago, we built a house. Now, we didn't build it or it wouldn't still be standing, but we, you know, we paid to build a house in a new neighborhood and, you know, we were over in the area and it was just awesome. So we, we went in, met with the people, we put our down payment on and, and we were like, okay, we're ready, you know, and you go through and pick out all these things and, and it was an exciting time. And some of you guys have been through that process, some of you may be in that. And so here we are and they called us and they said, hey, we're starting to lay the foundation. So the foundation is, is being poured and probably, you know, next couple of days you can go by and see it. And so that weekend, Lisa's family was in town and so we said to her parents, yeah, let's go by and see our new house. They just poured the foundation, it's gonna be great. And so we drive over, like I said, brand new neighborhood. So all the roads are messed up, the streets are messed up, but we pull in and, and they had poured a bunch of foundations down there. I didn't remember the lot number, you know, that little number they give you. So I just kind of looked and I said, that's it, that's our house. I mean, it's right there, you know, that, that's it. And so we all get out of the car, we go over, we're walking around on this foundation. And I said, you know, the kitchen's gonna go right here. This is where the kitchen's gonna be. And I think, I think the kitchen's gonna be right there. But it, bedrooms are gonna be right here and here. And I couldn't really make it out, but I said, ah, this is it, this is great. So everybody, come on, let's pray together. We're gonna bless our house. We're just gonna pray. So we stood there in the middle of this, you know, subdivision that's being put together and we prayed the sweet prayer the sweet blessing over it and we had this great time so then about two weeks later you know they called back and they said hey we're starting to frame out the house we're starting to put up the walls and we were like yeah awesome they're framing it out we're gonna go back and so we drive back down the street and we go and we go and I'm looking at the lot and I'm like interesting I I didn't think the kitchen was there and I didn't think the house was there 
this isn't even our house. Our house is over here, and we didn't bless the wrong house. You know, so I told our neighbor, Dave, when he moved in, I'm like, we already prayed for your house, all right, man? I walked all over it, prayed all over it, but not even our house. But see, it wasn't until the walls came up that I realized a lot of times you can look, and there's all kinds of houses, apartments, subdivisions. We live in a hot market right now, you know, in Nashville and Brentwood and Franklin and Spring Hill, Thompson Station. There's lots of, lots of houses going up. But what makes a house a home? There's something different there, isn't there? What makes a house a home? Now, some of you, you grew up in a house. But boy, you wish you grew up in a home. You would have traded that house for a home any day. There's something different about a home. Let's talk about that today. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians, New Testament. And we're going to dial into the Word of God today. I'm so excited about what God's going to teach us. Colossians chapter 3. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And we're going to unpack God's Word. Maybe you have a mobile device. You can access the Scriptures on version and follow along. We'll also put the Scripture on the screen. So if you want to see what God's Word has to say. Now, when you pick up here in verse 18, it says this. There's a little title above, right? A little heading in my Bible. It says, Rules for Christian households. Maybe your Bible says, you know, some of them say Christ in your home. But what this is, is God saying, hey, here's how it works. Here's here's how it works. Have you ever noticed our God is a God of order? Our God is a God of structure. I mean, think about it. You see it all the time. You look at nature. You see where the world is. I mean, if, if the earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd all burn up, Right? If it was just a little bit further away, we would all be frozen, singing Let It Go all the time, you know. So it's just like, it is in the perfect, I live with three girls, so we're already singing that anyway. So, uh, but we're in the perfect spot. It's God's order. It's God's system. Have you thought of the food chain? It's perfect. God's system. Have you thought about your body? God's order, God's system. And we come here in Colossians chapter 3, and God says, there's some rules for how a home should work. And God's saying, this will work. Relationships will work if you do them the way I'm calling you to. God wants you to succeed. God wants you to succeed. And we can say, you know what, I don't want to live by God's rules. You know, I don't believe in God's rules. We can even make laws to say, you know what, uh, we're not going to follow God's rules. We're gonna, we, do that. we do that with gravity, right? I don't believe in gravity. I don't care what you say. I don't believe in it. And you can go up on a building and you can find out real quick. Gravity works, okay? You know, so God's saying this is how it works. Have you ever noticed how there's some families that they just kind of get it? And, and, and you, know, you don't know what it is. Maybe you grew up with people like this. And, and you watched them, and it was like their parents or their grandparents and their kids. And, and they weren't perfect. But, but it just seemed like they're for generations they all got along, and there, there was so, there, like, there's something there. And then other people, it just seems like they struggled. And you're like, they were great people and wonderful people, but they were always starting over, starting over. And you're just watching this, and from generation to generation. And you, you looked at that. You looked at that. Maybe you did it, you know, consciously or subconsciously. But you said, I want to be a person that impacts generations. I want to be a person that impacts generations. And, and, and I can see it. I don't just want to start over all the time, start over the time. And so God says, this is how you succeed. Watch this. He says, first of all, in verse 18, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting the Lord. Now all the wives here are like, yeah, all right, you know, great. Wives submit, you know, right, right, right. But, but whoa, 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 whoa. Look what it says in the very next verse. 
Husbands, love your wives. Wow. And do not be harsh with them. Husbands, love your wives. It goes back to Ephesians 5. It's a, it's a partnership. When God created man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. He created a partner, a helpmate. Husbands, love your wives. That word submit, ladies, it, it really can be translated respect. So wives, do you respect your husbands? Husbands, do you love your wives? God goes, this is the way it works. I want you to succeed. He says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children. Or they will become discouraged. See, some of you, you know that verse. You've lived that verse, right? Some of you, you're still carrying around this father wound from growing up. And you realize the power there. The power of a dad. Of a father. Now, now the danger is this. Some of you, you're projecting that onto God. And when you hear God called father, then you're immediately going back to your earthly father. And yet God's going, no, 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 listen, listen. I'm a loving, gracious father. Hold on, hold on. I want the best for you. It says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Now we kind of look at that and go, that's kind of out of place, right? Slaves? What, what is he talking about? But, but back then, I mean, slaves were kind of a natural part of life. The Romans had gone all over the world, conquered everybody, basically, and brought them all back. And so people had slaves. And if you were a slave, you lived in the home. You lived in the house. So he's saying, you know, whoever's in your house, <laughs> just think about that. How do you interact with them? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. In your home, it's the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Now, a lot of people stop right here because it's the end of the chapter, right? So we kind of naturally stop. But do you realize that chapter and verses weren't added until the 15th century? And they were just added in the Bible to help us study God's word and and to know, but you see, Paul keeps going here. He says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master, capital M, in heaven. God is watching. And then it says, further instructions. If, if you see that, if you have a heading in your Bible that says that, it, it just keeps going. It's all coming back to this Christian home, that there's something different about this home that's not just like everything else around you. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, as you look at walls in a house, you know, walls are important, right? I mean, you look at a house or a building, you've got to have walls. Walls do a couple of things. One, they define the purpose. They define the purpose of that house, so they define the purpose of that building. You can look at what somebody values by the square footage they allot, right? You go, oh, this is what is important in this house, you know, by where the walls are. The second thing walls do is this, they provide protection. You can imagine a house without walls. <laughs> You're going to have the snow and the rain. You're going to have all the elements in, but also protection from thieves or from burglars. You know, back in the Old Testament, when they would conquer a city, the first thing they would do is they'd break down the walls. And that city would be helpless. Because it was the protection. The walls of the protection. 
The third thing that walls do is this, they provide stability. They provide stability to the house. Without the walls, you don't have the roof. You don't have the covering, which we'll talk about next week. You need the walls. Now, here's the thing about the walls, though. It's this. Walls can get cracks, <laughs> and walls can start to deteriorate. We've been in our house 11 years, and now we're starting to get a few cracks in the walls, right? Because the ground has shifted. And, and what do we do with cracks? You know, one thing we can do is this. We can ignore it. We can go, oh, there's a crack. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Nope, nope, nope. You know, we just kind of move on. And we do that a lot, right? We just ignore when we get a crack in the wall. We're like, I know I should fix that. I need to get to it. I need to fix that. And then a week goes by or two weeks go by, and pretty soon we don't even notice anymore. We just kind of ignore it. There, there's a crack. The second thing we can do with cracks is this. When you get a crack in the wall, you can cover over it. You know, have you ever done that? Let's move that picture here. You know, we'll put that picture right here. We just cover over that crack. Or let's move that plant. That plant would look a lot better here. You know, we just cover over it. We do that sometimes with cracks in the walls. The third thing we could do, though, is this. Fix it. <laughs> Deal with it. Fix it. Now, when you move from a house to the home, the same thing applies. You see, in a home, the walls, the walls, they provide the definition. They provide the purpose. And as a Christian home, right, it says rules for Christian home. Your home as a follower of Jesus should look different than all the homes in your neighborhood or all the apartment complex or in your townhomes or condos. Your home should be different. There's a greater purpose there. Your kitchen, right, your kitchen should be a place where you share life together, not just a drive-through, you know, we're, we're running different schedules, but you should say, hey, listen, you know, two nights a week, we're going to share a meal together as a family. We're going to do it Tuesdays and Thursdays. Those are going to be our times. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk. We're going we're gonna to share life. We're not just going to run through. Your kitchen is a place that you can use when new people move in the neighborhood. I'm going to take them a meal. I'm going to bake them a cake. When somebody's sick, your kitchen, you redeem that kitchen for the purpose of God. Your living room. God has given us nice places to live. Your living room can be a place where you share life, not just watch TV, not just play on the iPad, you know, but you share life and conversations. Do you know the early church would meet in homes? If you go back to Acts chapter 2, that's where they met. They didn't have buildings. They would meet in people's homes. It was a place that God would use. And hosting community groups, sharing life together, having other believers over, it becomes a safe place, a refuge. Your bedroom is a place to pray and have sweet dreams. And, and all of this can be redeemed. Now, how do we do that? How do we move from a house to a home? Well, you go back to Colossians chapter 4, look at verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. It says, devote yourself. Do you pray in your home? I had a guy a few weeks ago, and he, he came up to me, and he said, hey, Pastor Jeff. He said, you know, we, we talked about prayer at church, and he said, I went home, and I I said to my wife, you know, we've been married 10 years and we've never prayed together. And he said, I'm sorry. He said, I've always been scared. You know, I don't know what to say. I'm not, I'm not good at this really. And he said, but would you pray with me? And he said, that night we sat down on our bed and we held hands and we just prayed. He goes, it was the sweetest time I think we've, we've really ever had in our marriage. It was amazing. And I was like, I know, there's an intimacy that happens when you do that. There's an intimacy that happens when you pray. Or when you pray over your children. Or you pray over your baby. You just say, God, I don't know all the right words to say. It's not some formula, you know. It's just, God, take care of them, protect them, hold them. You know, something different about a home. Devote yourself to prayer. 
being watchful and thankful. Then it says this in verse 3, right? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Is Christ proclaimed in your home? Is Christ talked about in your home as much as everything else? Is Christ lifted up in your home? You know the questions we ask reflect what we value. If all we ask our kids is, hey, did you do your homework? Did you clean your room? You know, I mean, it, it reflects what we value. But at some point, did you, did you learn anything at church today? How did you grow spiritually? What's God doing in your life? How can I pray for you? The third way from house to home is this, I think. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Is your conversation at home full of grace? You know, it goes back to that fathers do not embitter your children. Is your conversation full of grace? Sometimes we can be most harsh with the people we love the most. And oh, that we would be a place of grace, that we would be a place of encouragement, that we would be a place of love. See, the walls, right, they provide that definition. This is what our home's going to be. This is the purpose of our home. The walls, they also provide that protection. And not just in a house, but in a home. What do you allow into your home? What do you allow in your home? I mean, if somebody knocks on the door and you look through the little peephole and they've got a chainsaw going, you know, and are you going to open the door? Hey, come on in. You know, no. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to lock the deadbolt. You're going to call the police. You're not going to do that. But how often, how often, how often through Netflix or through iPads or other things do we just allow random things in our home? I mean, it's just like, no, you are called to protect your home. We don't use that kind of language here. We, this is, that's not it. That's not appropriate. This is our home. You know how you protect your home the most? <laughs> if you go back at the beginning of this whole thing, what does he start with? What does the Apostle Paul start with in verse 18 and 19? Your marriage. <laughs> you protect your marriage. You protect your future marriage. You protect your marriage. You see, sometimes we can get cracks in our marriage, right? We get cracks there. What do we do when we get cracks in our marriage? We can ignore them. We just move on. We stay busy. Then that way we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to really deal with it. Sometimes we can cover over them, right? Hey, let's talk about something else. Let's kind of go a different direction. But when you have a crack in your marriage, please, please, please hear me today. Listen, deal with it. Fix it. Work on it. You know, there's two imperfect people coming together, but it is a holy union. Marriage is a gift from God. And wives, respect your husbands. And husbands, love, 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 love your wives. Protect your marriage. Inside your worship guide, there's a, it just says couple checkup. And I'll just encourage you, if you're seriously dating, you're engaged, or you're married, and, and you haven't taken a checkup in a while, go online. Just a way to help you. As a church, we want to come around and really protect marriages. The third part of seeing walls in a home is this. They provide that stability. You know, when, when your marriage is healthy, when your marriage is growing, it provides that stability for your children. You notice how it says, children obey your parents. <laughs> In everything, for this pleases the Lord. Notice there's not an expiration date on that. Do you see that? There's not a, hey, you know, children obey your parents until you're 12 and you know more than they do. You know, I mean, children obey your parents until you're 16 and you get your driver's license and you say peace out, you know, to your parents. No, there's this respect that comes in the home. Why? Because God established that. God established that order. I think it all hinges on this verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men work at it are you working 
Are you working on your marriage? Are you working on Christ being proclaimed in your home? See, what happens a lot of times, we get married, right? And then, and then guys, we kind of move on to career. And, and the woman's going, what about me? And you're like, I got you, check. You know, I'm moving on career, you know. Or, or, or ladies, right, you get married, and then suddenly you have kids, and it all becomes about the kids. And the husband's like, hey, what about me? You know, and you're like, I got kids now. Who has time for you? I got to deal with all these kids. And you and I, we've got to work. We've got to work. We've got to work on that marriage. I want you to hear today from two amazing people. And I just want to invite Chris and Vanessa Dolberry to come and and I'm just so thankful for them and what God's been doing in their life and in their journey, their story. And uh, it's powerful. And uh, Vanessa, Chris, thank you for just being willing to share today with us. Um, tell us a little bit about your marriage. How did y'all meet and then getting married? And tell us about that. Well, um, Chris and I met in fifth grade. We've gone to school together since then. Um, and we dated. I had a crush on him in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> Really, my friend liked him, and she always wanted me to call him and see what he liked, and always got off the conversation being like, well, I like him. She, I don't her know. friend had a mustache. I, I, didn't, <laughs> like I didn't like her. <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> we, <laughs> um, I kind of had a crush on him then, but in 10th grade, we started dating. We dated for a couple years, and um, then broke up for college, and I stayed great friends, um, but I, I knew from the first date, I knew he was the one. Um, so we stayed friends through college and went to church together, all of that. And then um, on our senior years, both of our senior years for Christmas break, we both came home and we hung out. And um, he just told me one night, I, I know you're the one. And I was like, well, okay, about time. Um, and so he, two weeks later, we got engaged. And so we went home from college on Christmas break without dating anyone and then went back to college after Christmas break engaged, which I thought was perfect. Um, and so five months later we got married and we've been married for 15 years. Wow. Yeah, we, you know, and even, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, even in uh, high school we were dating, we were kind of leaders in our student ministry mm. and then uh, about two or three months before we got married, um, you know, I, I kind of sensed God's call to vocational ministry and, and service that way. But even while we were, you know, friends in college, we'd lead retreats together and kind of serve as interns in our church, you know, back home. And, um, and so, and then after we got married, now we've served in ministry, except for the past year and a half to two years, um, in different roles, youth pastor and then other things for 15 years. And so for us really, um, our, our marriage, uh, we, we never really learned how to do marriage real well um, because our lives were so consumed with ministry. And it's such a noble thing. Why do you not consume your life with giving your life away for the sake of the mission? Certainly, but we never really paused long enough to, to learn how to do marriage well and invest there. Wow, that's strong. Well, something happened, you guys, um, not long ago that's, that just impacted your marriage in a huge way. Uh, will you tell us about that, Vanessa? Yes, um, I think uh, all women struggle with insecurities, and um, I had always struggled with that myself. And um, a few years ago, I had just gotten to a place where um, that was just kind of at an all-time low. And I felt like every area of my life I was missing the mark. I, I just felt like I couldn't be a good wife, and I couldn't be a good mother, good friend, good pastor's wife. Um, I just just was overwhelmed with a feeling all the time that I wasn't enough. Um, and I think 
I'd lived that kind of privately. Um, even Chris didn't maybe know about some of that. And so uh, it, it kind of just was eating away at me and um, made some decisions with um, those things looming over me. And so um, on a Monday, um, what seemed to be a normal Monday for Chris probably, um, he came home early and I told him that we needed to talk. And so I told him that um, I had been having a relationship with another man. Um, and that confession uh, just rocked our world. So everything fell apart. And um, we, I've loved Chris very much. I never wanted out of our marriage. Um, and the relationship was over. Uh, but we had to then begin to pick up the pieces and um, figure out kind of how we had gotten where we were. And uh, he told me that night, I'll never forget it, he told me that he loved me and that he would love me the way Christ loved the church and that he would fight for me, which I think is what every woman wants to hear, that someone will fight for them. Um, and he has done that. And so we just began the process that day of kind of starting over. Um, and um, we forgot to share this last service, but, and so I, th there may be a better place to share, but I'm just going to now. Um, so a year after that day that I told him, um, of course, is like a horrible day, but we chose on that day to renew our vows. And Jeff, Pastor Jeff was there with us um, and our kids. And it was just amazing just to, just to see how far God had brought us and how far he's, I mean, he still has a lot, to work, a lot of work to do on us. But, um, but it's just been amazing to see his redemption. Wow. Praise God. Um, you know, those things don't just happen. You know, it's, it, there's something that leads up to that, right? Uh, so when you guys looked at your marriage before, what were some of the cracks in the walls that maybe you were ignoring or trying to cover over that, that really led to that place? Yeah, you know, for years, um, we, uh, we never really thought about a lot. We had, we had great chemistry together, uh, and so we never really um, argued much about anything. But there were a couple things that were just kind of chronic and, and would, would keep popping up over and over and over um, again. Um, and... and and so what we would do is, um, you know, we would try to do the, the next, you know, check the box kind of thing that you're supposed to do. We'd, we'd read books together. We would, um, you know, go on date nights, which we, you should do all those things. I mean, we, and we would do retreats with our church. We would, uh, you know, get away together and, and talk about dreams for our family and, and, and all those things. But those things never fixed uh, the problem. And, and, and deep inside, really what was going on with us, what we learned was um, that, that there was some loneliness, that there were, there were desires that were, were not being met on both sides, but that we weren't being just forthright about um, and, and open about. And um, so we kept those things hidden from each other. And what we learned is that um, we, would, we would pursue them in other ways. You know, an affair can be labeled certainly as um, a relational affair like, like Vanessa had, but I think you can expand that definition, and I think a, an affair could be labeled as something that uh, you do to find escape at the expense of the other person. It's when you when you uh, say no to your spouse and say yes to something else. And um, w once we kind of got that perspective, I started to see 
that I had done that for years. And in ministry, I always said, you, you said, all pastors say, we're not going to sacrifice our family on the altar of ministry. Mm. Uh, and so I would physically, I was always intentional to try to be home at good hours and all those things. But what I, what I failed to realize is that I was not emotionally connecting my wife, with my wife and pursuing her heart and, um, and checking on her heart and listening to her and praying for her heart, all those things. And, and so I had affairs uh, long before she ever did with my vocation, with somebody else's bride, the bride mm-hmm. of Christ, my church that I was serving. Um, you know, uh, 77% of men um, look at pornography, not, not just uh, men in general, Christian men look at pornography on a monthly, at least monthly basis. Mm. And there were times years ago, several years ago, when I struggled with that. And so, you know, I think we can have affairs with vocation, with hobbies, with fantasies like pornography or whatever it is um, at the expense of our spouse. And so th- those things were happening that were cracking our walls. Um, and though we would try to spackle them or cover mm-hmm. them with wallpaper or move the plant, like you said, um, the, the, the problem deep inside was, was never repaired. Wow. Well, tell me what God's done in your life since. I mean, obviously that was huge. Um, but the redemption and the grace and even the work that you guys have put into it. Tell me what's happened. Well, I think um, God has given us an opportunity to be truthful with each other about everything. Um, We have really learned the art of confessing to each other and forgiving. Um, We have an intimacy that we never had before um, because now we know the intimacy is being fully known. And so now we are, and it's as if we've said to each other, we've seen your worst and we're staying. Um, and that's, that's powerful. And not only, and that, that doesn't give you a license to sin or to mm-hmm. do, th- that, that in fact makes you just want to do better, you know. Um, so we have just found an amazing intimacy together and with the Lord, just a desperation for him that is totally different from anything we've ever had before. Um, our need, our realizing our need for grace and um, for him is greatly, greatly increased. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously would echo everything that you said. I, I think, um, you know, there were moments after this happened, uh, the, really the, the night after she confessed, I can remember waking up at like 3 in the morning, obviously didn't sleep well. I remember waking up at like 3 in the morning just feeling this incredible sense of just, uh, I, don't, I don't even know how to articulate this necessarily, but just this incredible sense of the, the enemy's oppression on, mm. on my family. And just, this was just... It, it was just a dark place. Uh, I, I cried for uh, two weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then often after that, it, it was an incredibly intense pain that I'd never experienced um, before. In that, my church was gracious and gave me a month off. And then we tried to go back after a month. And in, in the first Sunday after, it, during that time they gave me the month off, we came here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and man, Jeff, you've been amazing and mm-hmm. Um, we found family here and community here. It's been great. Actually, Darren Clark, who's, mm-hmm. who's here, was the first person I called um, to tell what had happened. I said, bro, I've, I've never needed you like I need you right now, you know. Um, anyway, after that month, we tried to go back to uh, the church we were serving, and, but there was just so much pain involved in everything that had happened. And um, so, I, you know, and to, 
to avoid that pain and, and, um, and just have a new start for our family. I stepped away from my church. In all that, we, we lost a lot of our friends, um, certainly lost my job and, and part of what I had found my identity in, which was being a good pastor and leader and all those things. All that was gone. All that was stripped away. We had health issues that came up. And anyway, life as we knew, it just kind of flew apart at the seams and, and crumbled around us. And um, in those moments... I've never felt a sense of desperation for the Lord like I felt it. Like we, we both felt that and sensed it like I felt in those moments. And I can remember days waking up and just going, God, I cannot do today. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. um, and just weeping. And I can remember I got a, God gave me an amazing job that uh, it, when I left the church. And I can remember times being in a meeting just about spreadsheets and, and whatever, just a seemingly benign meeting. But somebody would say something, and it would trigger this pain, and I'd go back to my office and just cry for an mm -hmm. hour. <laughs> it was terrible. But in those moments, God gave me this deep, 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 deep sense of his grace and the weight of it that I'd never felt before and a desperation for him that I had that I had never felt before and so um, I, I read a book right after this happened there's a book by uh, Larry Crabb called Shattered Dreams and in that book he kind of the premise of it he says sometimes God allows dreams to shatter to give you the capacity to dream the highest dream mm -hmm. re referring to our relationship with the Lord and and indeed that's what he did in my life so for so long as a pastor I'd been dependent on my own ability to lead well or the newest trick or my talents as a communicator or whatever whatever it is rather than just saying God I am absolutely nothing without your grace mm -hmm. and and he restored that to my heart in the midst of this difficulty and pain wow Are there a couple of things that you would want to share with us? I mean, all of us are broken. We've all made mistakes. And, um, but many of us, are, we're trying in our marriage and um, to be husbands and fathers and wives and mothers. What, what would you just share with us today out of what you've learned? Well, I would just remind everyone that we all struggle. We mm -hmm. all struggle in marriage. And you may see um, friends posting date nights on Instagram mm -hmm. and you don't know what's going on you know we, we usually only share the stuff that um, is good um, so just know that we're all struggling um, and if we can all um, try to share that with each other then we can be there for each other um, and so just being able to be real and authentic about your struggles, I think, is, is a very big thing, um, especially if you can do that with your spouse, but also with other people. Um, and I think, I think also just remembering that none of us are immune. Um, I don't think anyone wakes up and says, hey, I think I'm going to do this today that's going to ruin my life. It sounds good. Let's do that. Mm. Well, it's a slow fade. Um, and so another reason to have people around you that can keep you accountable and that you can share your struggles with, um, but also a reason to have big guardrails, um, to have conversations with your spouse about, you know, there's this person I work with and, I, you know, there's chemistry there. What do I need to do? What do we need to do? Um, just, just having those Dr taking drastic measures. It may seem drastic, but if it saves your marriage, it's worth it. Mm. Um, so. That's huge. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I learned that, uh, what, I, what I really knew, but I learned firsthand that when men fail to live in the fullness of biblical manhood, uh, in terms of, like you talked about, protecting our families, mm. 
pursuing the heart of our wives, um, leading our, our families to dive into the word and embrace practical theology, not just intellectual theology. Um, when men fail to do that, uh, families, churches, societies crumble. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> and for years, I was able to lead my churches well and ministries well or whatever, but I, I was passive when it came to leading my family. And it was, it was kind of, the passivity came from one compromise after another. Um, I'll tomorrow night, I'll, I'll the next week. I'll, oh, I'm tired, I've been counseling with somebody for three hours, I'll do that tomorrow, or whatever. Um, and, and we always do that. And, and so I think I learned firsthand, I saw how things around me, including my relationship with my wife in many ways, crumbled because of my passivity. I was with, an, uh, with um, Tommy, Coach Tommy Bowden last night in an event in Alabama, and, and he said this. He said, the family is under attack. It's time for men to stand up. Mm. Um, and so I think if I've learned anything in the midst of so goodness, so many things, uh, one of the things is, man, it was time for me to stand up mm. not, and, and realize that my first ministry was right here at my, in my house mm. with my wife and with my kids. I'm going to be the godliest man my kids see, um, and by God's grace, certainly. Mm. Uh, and, and so I think I would encourage you as a man, um, man, it's, it's time to stand up and lead our families and live in the fullness of biblical head, headship. Because when we fail to do that, there are um, um, in, incredibly devastating circumstances mm. that will follow, mm. for sure. I, I think um, another thing I would say, too, I've been reading through Genesis. Mm. And, you know, you read through Genesis and you see one story of a jacked up family after another. Um, and, you know, you, you may just start at the beginning and continue on and you see uh, adultery and deceit. And, I mean, just it's... Families are jacked up. Yeah. And um, one of the things that, uh, that I think I, I personalize now is um, the fact that God delights in using jacked up people mm -hmm. and the people who are desperate and weak. Mm. Um, and so I'm so thankful for that. We as a family are so thankful that in our mess ups and screw ups and, and jacked upness, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess, uh, God, God delights in using people just like us. And it was, you know, uh, David who God said, this is a man after my own heart. And, and man, you, you see the, the echoes of David's terrible mm. decisions um, just kind of reign from generation to generation. And so I'm thankful that um, God uses even messed up people, in fact, delights in it because mm. that's where he gets the most glory. And so if you're here and you're thinking, yeah, but, you know, but whatever follows the but, you know, I can't, I've done that. You don't know what I've done. Man, God delights in bringing um, uh, goodness and finding glory out of the brokenness that that is your life and, and my and our mm. lives mm. wow well Vanessa there was a, a song that just really ministered to you uh, during this whole time and then God just kind of put right down for you to hear it was a song we sang before the uh, our, during the offering earlier um, talk about why did that just minister to you in such a powerful way well the first time I heard it um Someone sent it to me who I, I'd hurt really um, awfully in this um, whole situation. And so um, when I listened to the words the first time, I just, I was like, wait, a, hold on. This, what are these words? Like, this is my life. This is me. Um, this is exactly how I feel. Um, and so 
I, I already resonate with music. It just speaks to me, but um, especially this song. And I think before I thought, um, you know, I was a pretty good Christian. I never really, you know, I stayed between the lines and did things pretty well. I could check off the boxes. Um, and so when this happened, um, I kind I just, I was like, wow, well, I, I really am a bad wife. I really am a bad mom, a, a bad friend, a bad um, pastor's wife. I really am all those things, and I'm really not enough. Um, but Jesus is enough. And um, so this song just reminds me that even though I fall, he can make me new. And even, even though I've made these terrible decisions, even before I still need his grace just as much as I do now, now I just realize it more. Um, so, yeah, that song has been amazing. Wow. Well, guys, thank you for sharing your story, and thank you for fighting for your marriage. And uh, I know your kids, and uh, I know the impact that you're having on them by loving each other and by being the man and the wife that God's called you to be. And as our worship team comes, I just want to challenge us and encourage us. You know, it would be easy to ignore the cracks in our own marriage. It would be easy to just try to cover over things or in our future marriage. But, but what about you? What about me? And I love that line that you said, you know, Chris saw me at my worst. He still loved me. And to think about Jesus sees us at our worst, but he still loves us. He still loves us. And he loves you. And so we're just going to have a time of response today. We're going to end the service this way by, by having a time of prayer. I'm going to invite some of our staff, some of our pastoral care leaders to be around the room. We're just going to move some people to the sides. And, and if you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you today, that's what they're here for, you know? Be honest and be real. And maybe, maybe in your marriage it's in a good place, but you just say, hey, would somebody pray over me protection? You know, <laughs> would somebody pray over us? Or maybe today there's some things that are hard and challenging. Would you, would you be honest and say, I need help. I'm not going to ignore it anymore. I'm not going to cover over it anymore. I need God. I'm telling you, your marriage, your marriage, your marriage, or your future marriage, it impacts your children, your children's children. It impacts generations and so as some of our leaders kind of move to the sides, you can see different couples around. There's single adults that are around. If you, if you want somebody to pray with you or pray for you, that's why they're there. Our worship team is going to sing, and we're just going to respond. So let me pray right now over us. If you're sitting by your spouse, maybe just grab their hand. Put your arm around them. Father God, we need you. Oh, God, we need you. And, Father, we are all broken. We've all made mistakes. But you're a God of grace, and you're a God of redemption, and you're a God of hope. You're a God who makes things new. And so I pray right now, Father, I pray for all the marriages in this room. I pray, God, that we wouldn't ignore the cracks in the walls. I pray we'd be honest, we'd be open. Father, I pray that we would offer grace to one another, the same grace we've received from you. I pray, God, for future marriages, for single adults, for Father, for those who've gone through a divorce. Father, I pray for healing, for restoration, Father, and for redemption in the future. God, you're still writing our story. You're not done with us. 
But Father, I pray that we'd be honest with you. Search our hearts, oh God, and our minds. And so as we take this time to respond, give us boldness and courage <laughs> to be honest. And Father, we want to build our homes on Christ. We want to build our marriages on Christ. We want you to be glorified in our lives. And so, Father, we respond to you right now. This is our time with you. In the name of Jesus, our time with you.